Welcome to Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam, a podcast about navigating adolescence without losing our minds. Each week, I guide you around the teenage landmines with practical tips, simple solutions, and words of encouragement. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. Today, we're talking about how to connect with our teens through listening. If you're frustrated because your teen refuses to talk to you, wants a little to do with you or the rest of the family, or snaps at you when you try to provide even a little bit of guidance, this episode is for you. My guest today is Elise Knox, a former middle school teacher who now coaches moms and teens using strategies based on brain development and the nervous system. Her mission is to bring enjoyment back into the family relationship by helping our clients connect with themselves and each other. Welcome, Elise. I'm so happy you could join us today. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Absolutely. Now, first, give us a quick backstory. What inspired you to leave teaching and start working with moms and teens? Um, Well, it's kind of a long road, but um, I left teaching when I had my oldest daughter. I just felt like I couldn't do either thing really well, and I wanted to, being a parent was really important to me, Um, and and then I kind of found health coaching through my own health challenges, and then once I became a health coach, I found I really loved working with moms, and more than just on their health but um, on mostly their mental and emotional and like well-being in general. And then I landed um, kind of by accident, a job health coaching at a school with middle schoolers and high schoolers. And yeah, I was like, wait, how did I get back here? (laughs) This is not the plan. away from this. (laughs) Yeah. And so um, I actually did that through COVID and so like was in person, then went virtual and I I loved connecting with the teens in the one-on-one environment. Um, I was like, oh, this is different. This is, this is more what I, what I wanted back then as a teacher as well. Um, And it was really challenging coaching teens in like a bubble and not having the families on board. Oh yeah. And so, um, because a lot of what I did there was like a teacher would come to me and say like, Hey, so-and-so is struggling, or I'm noticing this either academics or social or emotional. Um, and so I was like, well, this would be a lot better with bringing the families on board. Um, and during that time I did a life coach training program that was very in depth. Um, because I, what I found in the schools was They weren't coming to me with like diet or exercise or sleep questions, though sleep is very important and an area that often gets left out of teen health. Um, But it was more the social, emotional, like bigger uh, challenges that they were facing. So I felt to be more equipped to coach them, I needed a little bit more training. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I think the social, emotional are the questions, the answers are the health, the sleep, the food, right? But they're not coming to you for the answers already. They don't know that yet. They're coming to you. Here's my big question. So how do we resolve that? Right? Yes. Yeah. So what are some of the biggest things that you are hearing? What are the most common 
I guess, problems that the kids are coming to you with? Yeah. So, um, I actually have like social, social is a big challenge right now. I would say, um, I don't know if it's who are coming to me as teens or parents of teens, but I tend to coach a lot of kids, a lot of teenage girls in particular who feel really disconnected socially. So whether they're, um, like they have, like they're, they're asking bigger questions, they're thinking about bigger things and they just don't feel connected to their teens is one thing or to their peers is one thing. Um, and then just like challenges socially with friends, not being kind and not knowing how to navigate, um, group chats or like situations. Um, so yeah, it's interesting or, you know, and I also find I have quite a few pretty self-aware teens where they're like, I don't want to be doing the things that my peers are doing, but then I don't fit in. Right. That's a big one. And the things that I've heard from parents are they hear this going on. They want to help and their kids are shutting them out. They're like, Mm -hmm. I'm not talking to you about this. I'm not coming to you about this. They get frustrated with them when they even try to provide guidance. Why is that? Oh, that is um, so many things. One of the things that parents say say to me often is like, I feel like I'm walking on eggshells. I can't say anything without triggering them. Um, And yeah, so that's, I think a big part of it. And I also like know this from my own experience is as parents, if we haven't healed our past traumas or relationship issues, we project onto our kids what our experience was. And so if you had challenges in those years with friendships or relationships with the opposite sex or same sex, whatever, then you see those issues, whether your teen is having them or not. Gotcha. And so you're coming to your teen who's like having a problem over here, projecting your problems that you had onto them. And then with that energy, your teen is like, whoa, no, like, yeah. Yeah. You're bringing more to the table than was already here. And you're not even understanding what I'm saying because you're bringing all this other assumption and baggage with you and we're completely not connecting. And so, and I hear the same thing. Kids are like, they're just not listening or they're trying to solve it and they're not really getting what the point is. And so there's just this circular, you know, and then they just stop. They're like, I'm not going to go because they get more upset about it than even I am. Right. (laughs) not helping. So what can we do instead? You have kind of, and I know, I mean, I talk about listening all the time. I think that's the number one parenting skill. Um, But you've got these kind of three principles of listening without judgment, which is not easy for parents to do. What are those? Yes. So um, these work at any age. Um, I have two daughters that are six and nine and I have a 24 year old stepson. So I've kind of done teenage years without all of this, mm-hmm. like knowledge and training. And now I'm like, okay, like gearing up to go back into it. Right. So, but I use this with my daughters and I think the biggest, um, like caveat I'll say is with teens, like it's really important to also be very aware of your face and 
your like body language and just your energy around it because mm -hmm. they pick up on that so quick and the stakes are a little bit higher like with my little ones if I react in a way that doesn't feel like they wanted it and I'm not listening or I'm like shutting them down it's super easy to repair and they're going to keep coming to me because I'm their person and they just they still think I'm the best you know right <laughs> and when it's a teen the stakes are higher because if they see you shut them down and judge them enough times they will stop coming yeah and like the goal is that you still have um, boundaries and like you're still the parent, but they want to come to you when they're having a, yeah. a thing, you know? So the three steps that I like to use are, it goes like not ABC, but CAB. So the first one, and you kind of mentioned this already is clarity. Mm. Like what, what do they want from you? Are they wanting you to give them advice? Probably not. Not. Rarely ever. <laughs> Although we jump Unlikely. right there, don't we? Whether they want it or not, here you got it. <laughs> and that's like in our mothering nature, right? And it's what we may have done when they were little and it may have worked back then. So that's like a really, and it, it ask them like, what, what do you want here? Like, what, what do you, do you want me to just listen? And I find this like with relationships as an adult too. I don't okay. know. Sometimes with my husband, I'm like, I just want you to listen. And as an adult, we can say that if we've worked through our stuff a little bit and we can, we can model that for our teens, that it's okay to, for someone to ask you. And it's okay for you to say like what you actually need in that moment. Right. So, um, yeah. So the first one is get clarity around what they want from you. And if they want you to just listen, that's your invitation to just listen. Yeah take some yeah. pressure off of us. You don't have to fix anything. We just need to be there. Yeah. You don't have to have the answer because often there is no answer and you don't have it. And if you did have an answer, they wouldn't want to hear it. Nope. But what you do want is for them to keep coming and talking to you. Exactly. So <clears throat> that first one is clarity. And the second one is breathe. Mm. <laughs> And so this one is like breathe and open, which breath opens. Mm -hmm. And so it's like opening your body language, opening your mind, calming your nervous system so that you can be that open space for them to come and share. Yeah. And then the last one is <clears throat> accept their process. Mm. And that doesn't mean that you're like, okay, go to the party. <laughs> okay, do like, go drive the car 80 miles an hour. No, except that they like, you know, teens with brain development, they're learning how to process things in different ways, perspective taking, like all these things are happening in their brains, which is amazing. And they're starting to have their own like way of figuring things out. And so just because you can, like, you can accept their way of thinking about it. And that doesn't mean that you're like saying yes to everything that they come to you with. Right. So we're, we've got to this point and they've started opening up and I've got two questions for their first. 
But once they've opened up, and this is what I get from parents a lot too, is they say something and they share something and you're mortified or terrified or freaking out going, no, what do you do? If you're not, if you're hearing what they're going through and you're like, I, I don't agree with this, or I'm really worried about this. How do you address that without having them shut down? Yeah, so a, a great way to do it is to ask a question. And if you're so shocked, the question can be like, tell me more. Mm. Because you can say, tell me more in any situation. That can just be like the top thing in your toolbox right. rather than like a specific question about the thing if you're so shocked about it. So that puts the ball back in their court. It gives you time to compose yourself, to process whatever they've said. And sometimes they're like, whoa, <laughs> you know, sometimes it does make them think like, maybe like a, maybe they were saying something to get your, to like shock you yeah. and testing. And you didn't, and you didn't respond by like whatever you're prior go-to response was or whatever like that thing that has happened in the past was so they're like hmm, this is different you catch them a little bit off guard and they have to think about it and then they have to come back with an answer yeah so you're helping them process through rather than coming at them with the answer which by the way will now be off the table for them because that was your answer so it can't be their answer you've owned it and so I try to explain this to parents too. I'm like, if you take ownership of the answer you want them to have, you've now made that impossible for them to take that answer. So don't, don't claim it, right? Let them get to that point. And then they own it and then that's there. So I think that's really important. So another thing too is, and this is another thing with parents is that their kids are at the point where they literally hate them right now. Like I've heard these words come out of kids' mouths. Mm -hmm. I hate them. Um, or they'll say it to their parents, I hate you. How do you connect with them and get them? How do you start getting them to talk to you if you're in that place with them? Yeah, you know, it's very interesting because I feel like when I work with teens and I work with moms and I hear from moms, like, you know, they're saying these things, X, Y, and Z, and it's so heartbreaking. It feels so horrible for the mom as, as it should, um, and then if I'm working with the mom and the teen, the teen is like, oh, I, hate, I don't hate her. I love her. She gives me everything that I need. Like she's a great mom most of the time. You know, there are times where it's gone way past that, but for the most part. And so part of it is as a, like for the parents is like, you kind of have to take things not as personally. And that means like doing a lot of your own work. <laughs> Um, and like connect when you can find those things that you do connect on and, and, and pour into your own cup as much as you can. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, the, um, it is the, I just did the, one of my tips was the Q-tip, which is the quit taking it so personal, you know, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. we do, everything becomes about, oh my God, they hate me. Mm -hmm. And it was really, they hated that moment. Mm -hmm. they hated what 
what you just said in that moment. They hated the whole experience, which came out as I hate you. And then we shut down and it does, it creates this whole spiral, right? Mm -hmm. That they've forgotten already and we're seething still. So it's like, okay, how do we just kind of let that go and understand and realize that they're doing the best they can, which is, it's difficult. It's really hurtful. Some of the, they can say some really hurtful stuff. Um, so difficult and it's so like I think that's why getting outside support can be so helpful because it's easy for you and I to say that to them and to point that out and to bring that into perspective and when we're in it it's impossible you know (laughs) like and so I and like the other thing with that is just like perspective taking on the parents part a or like all the brain development things that are going on for a teen all the social things that are going on for a teen so being aware of that having that in your periphery and also we future cast all the time as parents like if they're doing this now they're never going to get a job they're never going to do the we're never going to be friends again and that's so real and I have so much compassion for that and and they're a teenager yeah and this phase may last a day it may last a week it may last a year but it is a phase right exactly right it does get better it does change and I do hear that a lot what you call future casting where they're like if they fail this test they're never getting a job and they're going to live on the streets I'm like okay that's might be dramatizing it a little bit like let's let's take a deep breath like you said let's breathe um so I think we do get caught up in those moments and it's just hard there's so much pressure on us as parents Mm -hmm. and we're constantly weighing our success as a parent and our ability to parent on how our kids are responding to us and when they're not responding to us well that tells us we're failing as a parent and that's not what that means And I think that we have to really understand too. It's not what that means at all. It's not what that means. And I think that's one of the reasons why teen parenting or parenting teens, I'm always like teen parenting. No, (laughs) parenting teens is so isolating and lonely is because like when your kids are toddlers, you go to play groups or whatever, and you talk about not sleeping and you talk about eating and you talk about all these things. Once they become teens, they're going through things that they don't want you to share with anyone else. You don't want to share with anyone because you feel ashamed. Like when they're little and they're not sleeping, you're not like, I'm a bad mom. You're like, I'm learning. I'm learning. When they're older, you're like, I should have, I should have seen this sooner. We should have like, whatever, you know? And so you don't, you might not talk to anyone about it. I do see that a lot. And I think people are very surprised when they realize that what they're going through is common. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I hear the same questions and the th- same things over and over. Now, the circumstances and the things may be a little different, but the core of what they're dealing with is so similar. And people are, once they hear that they're not alone in this, it is so relieving um, and soothing. Cause you're like, okay, I'm okay. Other people have gone through this and they've come out. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good. So at least how do people find you? Yeah. So my main like, uh, 
social media hub is Instagram. I like to make funny reels. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I, uh, and then my website is elisenox.com and I do have communication and connection are like my, my thing, my jam. Um, so I do have a communication guide that I offer that's free. And then I teach a monthly free masterclass, like going over that guide. Oh, very nice. So I have the links to that in all the show notes so people can find you there. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you, Elise. I'm so grateful you could join us today. Yes. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And thank you, parents, for taking time out of your busy day to spend with us. I really appreciate you. If you want to learn more about how to help your teens thrive, you can grab my top 10 secrets for raising teens at askdrcam.com slash parenting tips. Until next time, have a peaceful, positive, calm day. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today on Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. Make sure to visit my website, www.askdrcam.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show again. While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, and hey, why not share it with a friend too? Be sure to tune in to my next episode. And remember, parenting teens may not be easy, but with my help, it can be a whole lot easier than this.